Welcome back to Universe Extended episode. I don't know what episode we're on. 23? Is that what we're on? 23, JJ? Uh, I think 23 is correct, yes. Episode 23 of Universe Extended, where this week we will be talking all about Mando, because we missed last week. So we will be having a conversation about Mando 4 and 5. Heck yeah. Joining joining me is JJ. How are you doing tonight, sir? Excited to go over some Mando, man. Uh, we uh, we had some very exciting episodes these last few weeks here, so I'm excited to go over them here. I know. I don't even know where to begin because I just really feel like talking about episode five right now. Like I don't even <laughs> care about. Like I stopped caring about episode four <laughs> earlier. I just I don't know what to tell you. So kick so it off, I, baby. Kick it off. So, where the fuck were we? When episode four dropped. So uh, this is right after Bo-Katan comes and joins the convert. And she's accepted as um, as part of the group because she has been, quote unquote, redeemed for bathing in the waters inadvertently um, under the minds of Mandalore there and living waters there. So uh, we come to see a training camp, a Mandalorian training camp, where you see the older Mandalorians training the foundlings, the younger uh -huh. uh, Mandalorians and training them how to fight. Uh, you see them shooting into the water, uh, probably to fend off any particular predators that are in there. You see them doing hand-to-hand -hand combat. You see them training on like face-off, uh, like draws and stuff. And it's a it's a very cool scene to see that part of the Mandalorian culture that they have in training these foundlings and molding them into serious Mandalorians. And we get a little bit of a contrast with Grogu. Grogu is the only one there. He's is a foundling and he's playing in the sand with a bunch of uh, a bunch of crabs which side note that kid can literally find crabs and insects on any freaking planet and play with them <laughs> constantly that kid eat man. and eat them that i would literally expect them to be like oh rock crab you know um and uh and then we get a moment here where uh where mando says you know what it's it's uh, no more playtime for you, kid. It's time for you to get serious, and we're going to get you into some training. And he actually equips him with this three dart blaster um, or paint paintball blaster, essentially. And he has to do a quick draw duel against another kid. And um, I, I kind of laughed at it because he essentially acted like my daughter would have. Like he was shy at first. He he basically gets shot twice in the chest. And then the following turn where Vando is like, oh, it's okay. You can do it. I know you can do it. And then he pulls off a jerk move by firing three consecutive shots into the kid, which the kid he was fighting off against obviously was holding back. And he performs a dick move by shooting <laughs> at him three times in the chest straight up after he does like the force jump back and forth against this kid. And I'm like, man, first off, this kid gets interrupted doing giving up his vows and, and now he gets showed up by this little mandalorian grogu kid that doesn't even have an, like any best car on him and then after that he's like go soaking by the water and then he gets freaking kidnapped by the freaking uh pterodactyl from jurassic park and he's carried off <laughs> into he's the sky gone. yeah he's just gone so um so we, we get a pretty good scene there where, you know, the Mandalorians react to this new threat and try to go chase after uh, the uh, the creature that's carried off the foundling. And we get a really awesome scene of all these Mandalorians flying in jetpacks. And we get something that we have not seen before, and it's that jetpacks have a time limit for flight because they all run out of gas and they all force to land after chasing after a while after these things. And uh, side note, in X-Wing, I think that should immediately be uh, <laughs> a thing for X-Wing where like they, they have to land on a rock to recharge before they can go anywhere else for a turn. <laughs> I think that needs to happen in X-Wing, for the love of God. They're not that powerful. Yeah, but obviously they can take more than two shots, <laughs> right? All right, fair enough. Yeah, I, so, so sure. If you change X-Wing to allow them to have more, like they could just shoot every turn. You don't get charges, but they have to land on a rock to recharge every two turns. Then, you know, I think that would be fair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, um, anyway. And then. 
And then we get this really cool shot of uh, Bo-Katan flying the gauntlet to chasing after the creature. And it, it, one of the things I really love about this particular episode was the cinematography that they used. Um, because there's a lot of shots that they use, especially the part where the um, the the creatures flying into the distance and the gauntlet's flying right behind it. And you see like that haze from the sun as it's setting. It reminds me very much so of like the original star Wars, even the whole, the whole transition slide going into like the next scene. It was very, very much like the original star Wars. And I really appreciate the cinematography for the particular episode. Um, Fast forward a little bit, uh, Bo-Katan uh, attains the information where the nest is, and they form a war party to uh, go track down the the creature so that way they can go get the dragon, and they lead a party to uh, basically camp out um, near the area so that way they can attack the creature in the morning. And we get a very interesting scene, and one of the things that I actually really like, uh, loved about it was Bo-Katan asking, how the hell do we eat without taking our mask off? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually a very good point. Everybody's like, no, don't worry, we're just gonna leave you alone. We'll all go off in our separate corners so we can go eat, and you get the privilege of sitting by the fire because you're the the leader. And I'm like, man, like, wow, that's uh that's dedication right there, right? Make sure nobody can see you by you know scattering, uh, so you can go eat in solitude. Like, man, they they must not have very fun holiday meals. No, which is it kind of goes back to the 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 cult identity, right? Like this. This is very much a cult like thing. Like you could just take your helmet off when you eat. You could just change the rule to say while you are eating, you no longer have to worry about people seeing your face. You like or, or wear a mask under the mask. But then how would you still eat? eat like, the mask covers the majority of your face except your mouth. Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's even dumber. <laughs> like it's just, exactly. <laughs> Like I will. How about this? As much as I love uh, the Mandalorian, the cultish aspect of that whole tribe, it really is bothering to me as an individual, just because of how I grew up. So like, yeah. it's it's really hard for me to get into that piece of it because it's just like this is the way. Great, yeah, whatever. Okay, fucking Hitler's. You know, like for Christ's sake. <laughs> like at least you guys are good to some extent, but yeah. like. The, the cultish aspect of, of reliability has a really, really hard, hard line for me. Um, yeah. Exactly, but yeah. If, if you go back to that scene, right, you're, you're going back to the scene. They, she asked that question. It's a very valid question. Um, and then to some extent, yeah, she's just kind of taking charge of things, and people don't really question it. It's like, and maybe it's because she has a ship. Because everybody's like, oh, my God, you have a ship? You have a jetpack? You have a ship? Like you have a ship that could fit all of us. All I can tell you is while I'm watching that, I'm sitting here going, Oh my god, there's a million commandos in this thing. When am I gonna be able to have double super commandos in a gauntlet so I could just dump them all out on the board? Like <coughs> I mean, that was literally ever, the best part. <coughs> if we ever get the name of that covert and what they actually call themselves, I'm sure that they can make an upgrade where you can make them double pip unique, right? Just for scum something crazy like that yeah um, yeah absolutely so um so we get to the following morning and the mandalorians climb up the hill uh, up to the nest where they uh where the founding was taken and probably one of the most disturbing parts of it is that you can clearly see other beskar armor that's been there and the bones of something that has been eaten before there so we know that this is this is not the first time this has happened. And, you know, you, you see the, the remnants of their failure, essentially, by seeing other foundlings that are dead. And the only thing that remains is their armor that was left behind there inside of the nest there. So uh, we see um, uh, Paz Vizla actually um, cry out, you know, my son, uh, which we get to know that that kid that was being... Um, essentially baptized into their convert was indeed his son now is it his biological son i doubt it i think it's more like he's a foundling and he calls him his son um but uh, it was kind of interesting to see that break in paz Vizla's, um character for him to make that emotional type exclamation you know and his concern for the the 
the kid um, that was there. And then finally we see the boss fight essentially for this particular uh, adventure, which is the great bird uh, that comes out and starts fighting all these Mandalorians while taking the kid away. And we get an awesome aerial scene uh, where they're chasing um, and fighting the bird there. And uh, Bo-Katan manages to uh, get a vibro knife right behind the eye of the bird, uh, causing it to um, to let go of the kid. And then Mando is able to clip the wing, causing it to fall into the water. And then we get yet another Jurassic World uh, reference where we see the bird being chomped by the, uh, the giant alligator creature that's been lurking in the water, uh, mm -hmm. just waiting for it to eat it. And it, it was a very Jurassic World-esque, but it was pretty awesome. Awesome to seeing that part there, and uh, finally to end the episode, they uh, they return back to the to the convert, uh, showing that they've rescued the kid, mm -hmm. and they bring three uh, the three baby birds that were there from that nest back to the covert, so that way they can train them. Now, this had a very big mm -hmm. Game of Thrones effect, or at least like to me, it felt like it. She's like Bo-Katan, mother of you know, bird creatures, like that's going to be her new title. <laughs> they write in and they're going to grow up and she's going to say, uh, tank, what the heck was, uh, Khaleesi's command that's essentially like eat people. Um, but I found that part really, really interesting. Um, but the most pivotal moment there is at the end where, um, Bo-Katan had lost a, a piece of her armor and she goes to the armor to ask for a replacement for it. She has a very, calculated conversation uh with the armorer and she speaks to her as if she you know asking her if she's ever seen the mythosaur and um you know the armor kind of responds in a really roundabout way and she reveals to her that she did to see the mythosaur while she was in the living waters when she rescued bando and she asked for the crest of the mythosaur to be added on to her armor um, for the replacement piece that she has on her shoulder kind of just like uh it, it acted as a really interesting foreshadowing piece um when the armorer is conversing with her i almost have the feeling like she has met Bo before, and I'm wondering if she is part of Clan Ren. I mean, I could see that, I guess. We don't know the armor's identity, do we? No, we don't. And we don't know what house she's from either. So there is that possibility, right? That could be. Um, when we get to episode five in a minute, I think there's some, some more weird things that kind of come up that put into light um, possible theories that people have had. But the other piece that we're missing is Grogu has a flashback. And Grogu's flashback yes. is all the way back to the, the purge in Revenge of the Sith, right? Yes, that's right. And so there's a couple of there's 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 a couple of things. One, the Jedi Ahmed, right? He, as much shit as that guy has gotten, is the voice actor for Jar Jar Binks. Now I did not know this. Somebody mentioned this, and then I looked it up, and then I also found out he hosted a um, kids TV show. Kids TV show, and they gave him like a whole, a whole Jedi persona and everything. And that's the person that we see rescuing Grogu, essentially. And it's a little different. Um, like I don't hate the scene. I like it that there's this whole flashback that we get to see a little bit more of Grogu's past. I like how they tried to de-age Grogu in CGI hey, effects, yeah. which just is like dumb to me, but whatever. I mean, he's like an infinitely small child, no matter what. Um, but if you go all the way back, you know, to, to that, there's a couple of cool things. The starship they get on looks like Padme, you know, a Padme style ship, um, which yeah. would be amazing if we could ever see one. If we see those in X-Wing, I will literally own like three of them. And I don't care if AMG lets me, I will field three of those fuckers on the table. Um, <laughs> I don't care if they're That'd generic. <laughs> no, not a, they're not that big. They're not that they're they're a large base ship only. 
is what they are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, look, if they can make the ghost, which looks like the size of the Gazanti, a large base ship, we can sure as hell have yeah. a Naboo. So Catherine's saying it's an H-type. So if we, we, we can have a Naboo H-type yeah. ship that I could fly as a large base ship. Yeah, um, easy. Yeah, yeah give, give AMG. Get the fuck on that now. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> but anyway, so we get the flashback. Basically, Grogu gets saved, and we see how Gro- why Grogu's alive, and that actually Grogu was officially at the Jedi Temple. That was never something that they had said before. This is 100% officially yeah. confirmed that Grogu was there in training that was he was recognized and if you think about it if Grogu shows up in Ahsoka or anything like that it's going to be crazy because Ahsoka was while she was not there specifically during the purge you got to think she had just left so God only knows if there was interactions or anything like that because how many times was she in the Jedi Temple before Anakin went crazy you know also this kills a stupid fan theory that somehow Mace Windu saved. I hate that theory. I don't know why people <laughs> think that that's great. Um, theory, Mace Windu did not save. He was murdered, for Christ's sake. <laughs> He's not alive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we still don't have the complete story, right? Because we do see that uh, Kelleran Beck did uh, essentially fight off a bunch of clones spectacularly, I might add. That was actually a really, really good fight scene of uh, of Kelleran Beck ticking on those uh, those wave of clones that were coming in in order to buy time for Grogu to escape. But we still don't know how um, Grogu went from escaping in the Nubian fighter to being a part of the Empire's um, research efforts um, for what we saw at the beginning of Mando season one. So hopefully we'll get more information on that yeah, either later on this season um, or perhaps in a following um, another show that may come up where they'll they'll explore that there. Um, but it was definitely really great to see that part there. I, I was actually really, really glad that Ahmad Bas was chosen for that particular role just because of the history that he's had and the amount of grief that he was given. And I I've actually am a big fan of the Jedi Ch- Temple Challenge. It's something I actually watched with my daughter. And when I got to see it, my daughter instantly recognized them, and she uh, she actually got excited because she she saw a character that she recognized from a show that we used to watch together. Um, so that uh, that part was actually really cool to see. So moving on over to the later episode that we had that premiered last week, uh, we go back to Navarro again, uh, where we see Grief Karga uh, meeting with. Um, with some of the, I guess, the land developers as they're trying to improve, I guess, the the trade um, areas that they have on Navarro there to help improve it. When suddenly we get the return of Pirate King Gorian Shard, and he shows up there in his uh, his cruiser there. Now, I had to do a little bit of... of uh, research for that particular ship because I really wanted to identify what kind of ship that he was he was piloting, and they call it in the ship or in the show rather it was a uh, a Nimbus class um, uh, a Nimbus class cruiser. My goodness, I forgot the name of it off the top of my head, but essentially it would have been a ship that would have been available to the Separatists during the time of the Clone Wars, um, and it's it's really interesting to see that particular ship now. Again, we're excellent podcast, and I always bring it back to the show. Do we now have yet another ship that both Scum and CIS can use in Epic Play? And will it be the same size as the Raider is, like for the, the Empire? You'll never see it, uh, but it would be... I would guess that it was the same size as a, as a Raider, personally. But I don't think we'll ever see it. Okay. If we're being honest, they're not going to support it. So, yeah, I I wish that there was more support for it. I think that's just a part of the game that uh, that that thing could do it. But anyway, we digress. So we get a uh, a interaction between Gorian Shard and um, and Grief Karga, uh, and I I still can't get over the look for Gorian Shard's face. Um, He definitely looks like a fraggle. Uh, I I always think of that every time I look at him because he told me that when he first came out, he looks like a fraggle. Um, But (laughs) um, they they begin to open fire 
order onto the populace and they give the general order of evacuation for everybody to get out of the city and to head over to the lava flats uh while uh, gorian chart is basically decimating navarro with the with all the turrets that he has on the bottom um and then we we get a scene now where we get a report being sent over to um to a republic or sorry yeah to a a republic outpost um and we see our old friend from uh season one and two uh my goodness i forget his name but he is uh, a pilot for the new republic that has made many interactions with uh with mando and he gets that uh, that message and we see a very very our first for the first time in live action mr gar zebraelios in live action and man it was so great to see zeb um in live action like i I was absolutely ecstatic to see Seth. What about you? And, oh, yeah. Like, when I saw him, I t immediately texted you. I was like, holy fucking shit, dude. Like, <laughs> here you go, baby. Like, yeah. And I hate, so you're, what you need to do now is you need to start getting up at 5 a.m. On, 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 on Wednesday mornings and watching it before you go to work. <laughs> that way, when I watch it, when I go to lunch, I have somebody to talk to about this. Because half the time people are on lunch and nobody wants to talk to me, but I know you'll answer because you always answer me, but then you never seen the episode so that I can't spoil it. But I couldn't <laughs> believe Zeb was in it because, okay, to me, the theory is the only reason you put Zeb here is because he's going to show up in Ahsoka. Like, it's, it's illogical to put a cameo of Zeb in. Yeah. Unless you're going to use him. Like, I don't know. It, it seems silly. So he has to play a part in some way, shape, or form in Ahsoka. It has to. Like, yeah. Which is even more exciting because that means we're going to get to see a grown-up version of Ezra, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah, and for me too is like you know just just looking forward right into you know what could be for Star Wars. You know we do have the project that was scrapped, uh, which was Rangers of the New Republic. Um, this to me kind of tells me that Zeb would have been possibly a pilot that would have been part of that show, and it would have actually been great to see Zeb in a new role as part of Rangers of the New Republic. Imagine having a Zeb X-wing. I mean, or Zeb T-75 fighter pilot and X-Wing, that would be <laughs> great, actually, to see. Um, and the other part of it that gives me hope is Hera, right? Seeing Hera Syndulla, because we know that as part of the, the rebellion, you know, she helped... Uh, and spoilers for anybody who has not played Star Wars Squadrons, I highly suggest that you play it, even if it's just for the storyline. Um, but we do know that through the events of what happens in Star Wars Squadron, uh, Hera um, helped create and design the um, the Starhawk, which is a, a very large um, starship that the Rebellion had that helped them gain the upper hand during the Battle of Jakku. And she was very, very big into ship design at that point so it makes me wonder if through her her influence as a general if she helped zeb get to that particular patrol um for for the new republic now is there a reason he's wearing blue though he was wearing blue so he so there's there's been a couple of theories on it one of it is is that you know as part of the battle scarif blue squadron um that went to respond uh to scarif uh was decimated during the time of um of the battle of scarif and they were never able to rebuild that particular squadron and since hera did participate in the battle of scarif at the time it could make sense that she is um, or at least they're rebuilding it as part of the New Republic, and Zeb is one of the candidates for the pilots of that particular squadron, and hence why he wears those colors. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. I'm just excited by the possibility that this brings a bringing Rebel characters back. I mean, we, we could see Kanan Jarrus's son, right? Um, mm -hmm. Him and Hera's son, which I don't know if we've ever seen a visual of that. They they did show at the end of Rebels Jason Sindula. He's half human and half um Twi'lek. Um he does have features of both. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see how they if they bring him and how he will look in live action. And if he's force sensitive. Yeah, I think he is, but we'll see. 
All right. Yeah. Well, we spent so much time on that that one piece. Yeah. We, we got the rest of the episode to go. Um, yeah. So, um, so we fast forward. Uh, uh, Ranger Rick, I want to call him, uh, ends up going to Coruscant quickly. And and another side piece. It's amazing to me how time travel works somehow in in the galaxy because it seems yeah, like he's bullshit. in an outpost. He hyperspaces to Coruscant, which is in the middle of the galaxy, essentially, able to go there, then go over to Navarro afterwards to warn Mando. And then it's like, oh, it's probably like an hour, two hours have passed <laughs> since, you know, the raining of fire upon Navarro. But anyway, he ends up going to um, to to Coruscant to request for additional uh, resources in order for them to uh, go and defend Navarro. And we do see a new character introduced to the series um, in Tin Meadows, who's acting as a captain for the New Republic and uh, processing what looks like to see, see to be the same amount of data disks that uh, Dr. Pershing was assigned to do when he was still um coming into his new job and it looks like he's like processing the same data disk and i'm like man man the the bureaucracy <laughs> in the new republic it's like yeah you still got all these tps reports that gotta get filed buddy here you go like <laughs> he's like no and, more yeah exactly and this is where we begin to see how the how the new republic is failing and how this opens the door for the first order to come in and i think that they're really really pushing this narrative right of how the the republic's desire to not be the empire in terms of like efficiency and military might and stuff um is setting themselves up for failure right because they're essentially um essentially after the fall of the empire, there could be planets that uh, could join the new Republic if they wanted to, or if they wanted to be Imperial, they could still be, but they had to disarm. And essentially if any planets within the new Republic requested any military aid, then they was just stationed starfighters on those planets. And the new Republic was well into the decommissioning of all their uh, military fleet that they had in there. So any type of aid for military aid, um, was delayed, especially if you were not part of the New Republic. And this gave rise for so many planets to fall under pirate attacks. Um, and it, it just opened the way for the, the underworld to really come out and take over the Outer Rim, which is a, a same theme that we see during the Star Wars Resistance show, uh, where we follow the, the crew of the Colossus and them basically fending off pirates with their, their racers that they had there, their aces. Yeah, which it would be awesome if we see an appearance from somebody from from resistance. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I still think we're still a good 20 years away from that in terms of the timeline, but it would be interesting to see like a young uh Captain Doza or something like that, right? Yeah, or Yerick, you know, give, give me give me Oh, Yerick, yeah, Yerick Jager. Oh, yeah, man, that would be fantastic to see a, a young version of him. Um, so we do see that, um, that the, the new, uh, uh, what's her face? Um, uh, I forget her name, the agent there that used to work for, uh, slick hair. That's what I call it. Yes. Slick hair. Yeah. Um, man, the way that she interjects herself into that conversation when they're requesting for further reinforcements and she just manipulates the conversation to kind of discourage the help. Um, man, it makes you wonder what the hell are they hiding on Navarro that they're trying so hard not to, to let the uh, the Republic go there. Yeah, it's almost like they have another cloning facility or something. Yeah, definitely, right? Yeah. Which which makes you wonder why the Empire, you know, if they treat it with such a high priority to protect it, why isn't there an effort for the mili the Imperial presence to go over there and recover it or secure it? That's because I think they're so scattered they can't do that. And, and they have to pick their battle. So I think she's doing it as a covert operation for them because I, I think she's working for Gideon still. My, my, my theory is there was a specific capture that allowed her to become a double agent type person. Yeah. But exactly. I will say the, the thing that bothers me the most is that time travel piece because and maybe it's because they had so much story to tell in between. But to me, that bothers because it's like they're being bombed. 
and murdered. They all run, and then miraculously, everybody's going to show up try to save them. But it's like, well, hold on. Like, in real people time, you can't go to Coruscant, have a conversation, get rejected, and then fly back to Mandal where the Mandalorians are, hiding, and then have a conversation with them, let them make a decision, and then them all go back <laughs> and somehow save the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they had time to have a committee and discuss it <laughs> and everything. Yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, so uh, we do see that uh, that he, uh, the ranger was able to track down the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian covert because and how R five R five has been the rebel spy the whole time yes. and transmitting <laughs> and and think about it. What does Mando hate more than anything else? Droids. Droids. Exactly. <laughs> this is like if this does not come up next episode, I'm gonna be super pissed because this is literally like why he hates droids. And here we have somebody using a droid to fuck with him. Exactly. Exactly. And here's the thing: is like when when they revealed, or when he revealed that R5 was the one that gave away the positioning, I was like, how did no other Mandalorian? Like, I understand Mando, you know, not wanting to shoot R5, but how did any other one of the Mandalorians who have zero ties with the droid or the ranger not automatically pick up a blaster and be like, yeah, just kill it, like screw this droid, (laughs) who let this droid give away our secret hideout? So, um, so yeah, so we get the, um, uh, we get the Mandalorians who are aggressively anti-Republic and they basically tell him to get, to take a hike and get out of there. And he manages to, you know, let, uh, Mando know that his friend needs his help because the new Republic is not going to be going to, to Navarro to help them out. So, um, we get a scene where the, the Mandalorians basically gather um, in a committee and they use the armorer's hammer as like, this is the speaking hammer and whoever holds the hammer is allowed to speak in this thing. I found that friggin' hilarious. Um, but um, probably the biggest surprise there is that after Mando gives his speech to try to convince the rest of the convert to go and help out Novaro, even though they were literally chased out by by um by grief car guys like you know what they need our help and they have a track of land over there that they promised us that we can go get and we can go live over there and then paz vizsla gets up and i'm expecting him to go really hard anti you know help him out and then all of a sudden he did man just like he's like you know these people shot at us they you know they they injured some of us they chased us out they made us live in the sewers and now they're asking for our help and why should we do it because we are Mandalorians. And I was like, oh, snap. Like, that was, like, hands down the best part of the speech for that that entire episode. I really love that that part yeah. from Pat's what he life. What he means is, Mando saved my kid, therefore we should help him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in, in the actions of Bo-Katan now from the previous episode help guide that, that narrative, right? Because if... If Bo-Katan was in there to help save his his youngling or his foundling, rather, then the Mandos would have never agreed to go to Navarro and help out Grief Karga and the crew. And that's where that that whole story comes full circle there. Right. And then we get another um, uh, we get everybody heading out towards Navarro to go help him out. And we get a scene again where we see Navarro. Um, completely overrun by the pirates they're basically uh looting all the places you know consuming all the food and stuff and then we get the the battle plan where uh Bo-Katan is helping the helping plan the attack on the pirates over Navarro and we get the plan where Bando's supposed to go in draw all the snub fighters and then Bo-Katan sneaks in and drops the the Mandalorians in to go and attack this liberate the city while they go finish off the the pirates there and we get treated to a hell of a scene seeing mandalorian the we see mando really opening up the n1 starfighter and seeing what he could really do as a pilot and i gotta say um he's gonna he's definitely gonna be an i6 when he comes to to x-wing now i mean he's got to be an i6 now what do you think uh yeah probably gonna be an i6 does he have the same ability 
No, he's not going to have the same ability. It's got to be something crazier. It's got to be something to do with his maneuvers. Like, that ship just did things an N1 does not do at all. Like, yeah. insane maneuvers. Like, it should come that with its own special template. Uh, yeah, and I think it's going to have its own special dial. I don't think it's going to have a standard N1 dial. Yeah, it would be silly if it did. I mean... Taking out those snub fighters so well and being able to outmaneuver the turbo laser cannon shots from the Corsair, it was just so, so good uh, to see that 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 particular space battle. And then finally, when he was able to draw the attention away from uh, from the city, uh, Bo-Katan able to use her drop sea base to let all the Mandos come in and we get treated to a really satisfying ground battle. Uh, where we see the Mandalorians use all their tools to rope and tie and shoot all these people. And we get a point where they're caught in the courtyard. They're kind of sandwiched in. Paz Vizlik jumps in with his heavy laser cannon and just starts wailing away at the reinforcements. And then they are pinned down by a tower, uh, a tower turret. And we get a really awesome scene. And it kind of reminded me, uh, like a moment, like, um, in Andor, the last episode of Andor, where the guy with the hammer is like wailing on the stormtroopers, like it felt like, you know, she took a piece out of that book and she started just with her freaking tools taking out these pirates left and right and able to clear the citadel uh, for the Mandalorians to have a clear courtyard there. That being said, I do have a small gripe, very, very small gripe, and it is that. There seems to be a racist problem in Star Wars where they treat all the Aquilish and the Trandoshians as pirates and slavers constantly. <laughs> Do you notice that? Like, yes. If you, if you all, I mean, I think, yeah, I think it has just a little bit more than that. <clears throat> like, I think there's underlying tones of it that they've never like countered. But there's easily Star Wars has always struggled always struggled to put minorities first in my opinion comparatively like to star trek and but transdotions is oh yeah i've never seen transdotions in a positive light ever it's almost like if you're a transdotion your whole race is just evil and horrible yeah there's only one good guy transdotion and he's borderline and it's really the pilot from uh from squadrons and even then he has a gambling problem and he tends to disobey orders constantly like that's the only Trandoshan that's seen that's been like a good guy. Everybody else has been a slaver or a bounty hunter with a real mean streak. Like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So finally, uh, we go back to the uh, to the battle, and Gorian Shard is going nuts, right? He's losing all his snub fighters left and right, and then finally his captain of his fighters decides to just bail out and leave him as Bo-Katan joins the fight, and both him, uh, both uh, Mando and Bo-Katan uh, use the gauntlet and the N1 to finally... Uh, destroy the the course here coursing it to land against the um against the mountaintops outside of the city and eliminating the pirate threat altogether and we see everybody uh, all the mandalorians reunite with grief karga who i i um i found kind of hilariously when he introduces himself as magistrate magistrate karga and then his droid had to correct them hi magistrate <laughs> <laughs> I, that was a nice little uh, reversal there, and then him seeding the entire land uh, west of uh, of Navarro to the flat, the lava flats, uh, for the Mandalorians to live there and essentially be the protectors of uh, of Navarro, right? For their actions, do you think this is the start of the rebirth of the Mandalorian Empire? Yes and no. I think it all depends because they could also be setting us up. For the fact that there is some Mandalorians that are going to betray them. Or there's Empire Mandalorians. The Super Commandos that we saw in <sighs> Rebels. Yes. And I don't believe in Rebels they eliminated all of them. I haven't finished uh, a second watch through of Rebels. I'm in this. I'm, I'm re-watching Rebels again, actually. Um, in anticipation of the Ahsoka show. Um, but... Uh, 
they they I I think there's a possibility that there is some people in the Mando covert that are going to betray people, and maybe even a high-ranking one whose name we don't know. Oh, that's that's big. So we um, we do get a um, a scene afterwards, right, where we see the return of the armorer and Bo-Katan to the old forge that they had that we saw in season one, where uh, where Din got his, the majority of his armor done when he found all the Beskar, and we see the armorer talk about the old forge and how it was old or very ornate inside of Mandalore, and that she used to be there at the time. And again, we, we get like these little hints at the identity of who the armorer is. And for a person to have been there during the time, that, that means that she was there during the Clone Wars. She was present on Mandalore right before the Clone Wars and probably during the time of the Clone Wars. So, you know, you would think that it would have to be a house with an influence, right, to be part of the, to be honored to make the, the armor for most Mandalorians, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I gotta, I, I definitely, I definitely want to say, especially when she asks, um, Bo-Katan to remove her helmet, which for a hot second, I thought that was a trap. Right. Yeah. And even Bo-Katan is like, um, she's like, excuse me, pardon me. <laughs> Cause she's yeah, like, you respect my station. Keep my helmet on. Exactly. Right. <laughs> she's like all these rules. And then she makes her walk outside with all the Mandalorians and everybody's like, just stops what the hell they're doing. She's like, how dare she's like, you were just redeemed that you took off your helmet. What the hell? And, and then it felt like the armor makes that rule off the fly. She's like, well, she works, she walks both ways. So she's allowed to take off her helmet. And I'm like, Okay, Din is right there. He did, does the same exact thing. Why can't he remove his helmet, right? Like, <laughs> and essentially, she tasks Bo-Katan to go out and basically start to unite the remaining factions of the Mandalorians, so that way they can all come together and walk the way, right? According to the to how she spoke. Um, I, I, what do you think? Do we start thinking now that the show, The Mandalorian, is really about Bo-Katan, or are we still talking about Zen or even Grogu? Well, the bigger theory, I think, is Grogu's going to be the one that tries to unite everybody, right? Like, because he's a crossover between a Jedi and a Mandalorian, right? You know, so um i think it's hard to say i think there is a goal of going back to mandalore there is a goal of trying to take it back over but because none of them really show up in very big ways i almost feel like we're leading up to this mandalore a second mandalorian war where essentially this is orcish okay here here's here's my way out crazy view we only got three episodes left but to me this is a way of moth gideon's faction setting it up to eliminate as many Mandalorians as possible, get the dark saber, get Grogu all over again. That all of this is just a setup to murder a bunch of Mandalorians in hopes to kill Mando and get Grogu. That's my theory. Okay. All right. Um, so then after, um, after that particular scene, then when treated into what I felt like was like a bonus scene, right? We get, uh, the ranger making a deep space a dive and he ends up coming upon a broken Lambda shuttle that was obviously attacked. And I, I gotta say, once I saw the Lambda shuttle, I'm like, man, I really miss that ship in X-Wing. It really <laughs> needs to be remade, man. Please, AMG, yeah. do it. Um, but it was great to see uh, uh, e even a broken one, a broken Lambda shuttle. And, and we get to know that this is the shuttle that was transporting Moff Gideon uh, to his trials. And we know that now for certain that the rumors that he never made it, that he was, that he escaped is true. As we find out that of the whole time, these are, these, uh, these are four R3 astromechs have the ability to launch that tiny little probe out of their heads to go scan ships in space. And I'm like, man, when are we getting those probes for X-Wing, man? All those astromechs can do that now? They can send those probes ahead? Yeah. Like, they're basically the DRK droids of the New <laughs> Republic. 
Okay, we you should not get those, and re the resistance does not need those. Because you know, if it was FFG, you know what it would be. It would literally be you get to look at one other person's dial before you reveal it and make a decision. Oh man, I want target locks, man. You know, send a droid out. You know, get a you, target lock. He didn't take target locks. He was just looking. <laughs> You can scan a ship, you can lock onto it, man. <laughs> so we um, we do see um, when it starts checking the interior of the ship, you know, we see basically the massacre that happened from the explosion that rocked that ship, right? We see a bunch of New Republic guards, um, you know, floating inside of the, the shuttle itself. And then the last thing he sees, which he identifies, he says, it, this is Beskar that they find on the shuttle. And then that's how the, the episode ends with the Ranger finding the best car aboard the ship. Now, why? Here, here was my initial reaction. Why the hell would a Mandalorian just say, oh, you know, here's my best car. We're just going to go ahead and just leave it here as clear evidence that we were here and we took Moff Gideon. I, they, they wouldn't. It's dumb. Exactly. Like, that's I, I, exactly. I thought that was stupid. <laughs> That's exactly my reaction. I was like, okay, this is like an obvious plan, right? But then, you know, you go back to uh, three episodes earlier, you know, when Din was exploring the caverns, you know, I, I originally thought, you know, that helmet he picked up before he got captured, that looked very much like a super commando helmet that he picked up that was all charred and stuff. So it, it makes me think that they're leading to, yeah, the the Mandalorians that back the Empire, Empire are still part of the Empire, could we see the return of Clan Saxon coming back to get Gideon back? Yes. I And again, that's my theory. What's my theory? Is that, that the whole, it's all set up. So. So I, I wonder if it, if we're going to see um, uh, like descendants of Clan Saxon uh, that would have potentially had, uh, Sabine's weapon and that they were able to recreate it like that would be interesting to see if they're able to do that yeah I would be interested to see that but I think we'll see I don't know we have three more episodes left so I think it depends I don't know if they've released run times yet for any of them um, not that I know no. mm. but I would love if somebody would leak that it would be nice to know but Heck yeah. I mean it's <laughs> going to be weird Bad Batch is done um, we will recap all of Bad Batch. Um, we will do that. Uh, I I don't know when. I don't know when, but we we will do that at some point. Um, and then obviously we will continue with our Mandalorian season three discussion. So, yep. So, uh, we got three episodes to go. Any crazy predictions for what we're gonna see for the last episode? I already gave you the crazy predictions. Oh, like crazier than what I've given you? Yes. Yeah, with the new information that we have with the last two episodes. Um, I would say Bo-Katan is going to unite the remaining ones. And I don't know. I, did they redo it for season four yet? Uh, not that that has been official yet. No. Because to me, you kill Mando off. And she gets the Darksaber back. <laughs> and and you kill Moth Gideon and he doesn't get Grogu and Grogu goes in hiding. There you go. Um, I want to predict that we see the return of um of Danny Trejo and the uh and, and Boba Fett on his giant uh rancor. Um oh. you know, going through you know the crystallized fields of Mandalore um to battle. Can we get the, the too? Oh, Chrysanthemum? Oh, yeah. yeah, can, we get, yeah. can we get Chrysanthemum? I want Chrysanthemum back. Actually, I don't give a fuck about anybody else from that show but Chrysanthemum. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Wookiee. No, I, I want to see <clears throat> the Rancor face off against the Mythosaur and then lose. That's what I want to see. No, that's not going to happen. The, you could just eat it, dude. <laughs> so what? I want to see it get eaten, man. All Come right. On. <laughs> You want to see Boba Fett? Get, how about this? Here's the laws. Boba Fett gets eaten a second time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. He gets eaten for a second time. That would be great. And then Mando inherits the fire spray. Yeah. So in reality, though, I, I do think Bo's going to get the, the, the dark saber back. Bo's going to become the natural leader of everything. Um, 
and I believe Grogu's going to get stolen and, and season four is going to be fucking Mando searching for Grogu again. Cause that's what everybody likes to do is repeat exactly what we've already seen and done. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just hope that, you know, for the next season, there's a time jump like 20 years in the future and uh, Imperial Star Destroyer with a uh, planet killing laser uh, is there. And Mando now has to go take down the final order. That's what I want to see. Fair enough. That would be cool. Well, all right. That's going to do it for us for our universe extended. I think I've cast enough today. I cast two games of X-Wing and yeah. then a two hour episode and now a one hour episode. So I have uh, tapped out my ability to uh, cast for a while. Um, yeah. I don't know this week what our games are going to be like. Uh, I will be gone on Monday, possibly gone on Tuesday. Definitely gone on Wednesday because I'm seeing the Mario movie. Me too. Um, with my I kids. cannot wait to see that. Yeah. Yeah, we got uh, tickets to see it the day it came out um, after my wife gets out of school. And then Thursday, I will be on Nickel City playing my matchup. Um, I scheduled it while we were airing our show. Um, so my matchup is Thursday, game three on Greg's channel. Um, so, yeah. And hey, if Greg is not able to fill a spot, I will gladly face off against Crispy, even though we're technically not paired this week. But I would glad to have an exhibition match with Crispy if he's available too. And if Greg doesn't find anybody to play. So. Uh, does that mean we get to count that as a win if you win? No, unfortunately not. Oh, well, that seems silly. Sad. Anyway, <laughs> this has been the Universe Extended Episode 23 Mando Season 3 covering the episodes 4 and 5. We will be back next week covering Episode 6 of The Mandalorian. Thank you all. Have a good night. And we'll see, see you ya. soon. <laughs>